You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast, presented by Pat's Pulpit. All right, welcome to another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast. Your boy Pat Lane, as always, here with Matt St. Jean. Matt, it was a uh, it was a fun week in the football, and we're going to get into that. But I am really interested in this OC search, man. This is this is pretty crazy. I've been the, the visual that I kind of had enter my brain today is like like you're sitting in a waiting room, like getting ready for an interview, yeah. and then it's Bill Belichick that comes out, and he's <laughs> like, "All right, let's do this." Like, that is just yeah. – I can picture Bill Belichick in a lot of situations. But for some reason, interviewing people is just not one of the ones I can do. Yeah, I, it's it's strange. And it's one of those things that, like, this was all, like, very cloak and dagger for, you know, a long time. We never heard about interviews happening. And so no. now it's like this guy's getting linked and that guy's getting linked. And I'm sitting there like, it'd be pretty dope to have Sean Jefferson or Keenan McCarty. Like, that's pretty cool. You know what I mean? And then, and so you kind of go back and forth with this stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely giving the fans and anyone interested some entertainment right now. And a lot of stuff to talk about too, you know? So, um, if you had to guess now, it's funny because Ian Rapport tweeted something out that said, you know, the Patriots are still interviewing, but they might not become Friday, which I thought was interesting. Mike, that's interesting. who is is it? Keenan McCardell who goes Friday. McCardo, the last one. McCardell, I think was today. I believe. I thought I thought Sean Jefferson was today. McCardell was tomorrow. I could have maybe, that backwards. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I don't know. But and Bill O'Brien went today. Yeah, today or yesterday was O'Brien, and I know saw uh, either Jefferson or McCardell went today. Um, and so you know they might be done tomorrow yeah. and then they, well, they said we're gonna when they put out the statement last week they said we're gonna be doing interviews next week well right it's the end of next week yes it is yes it is and it's it's interesting and i posted on on twitter earlier um but i'm at the point right now i'm getting greedy i'm getting greedy i want bill o'brien and i want either sean jefferson or keenan mccardell and the thing is for me is that you know, and Jefferson, I mean, uh, was in Detroit when they drafted um, Megatron. Johnson. And Megatron yeah. has said that he's the best, the best wide receivers coach he's ever seen at any yeah. level on yeah. any Al- team. Alex Barth tweeted that out earlier. Yeah. Great little quote there. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. you know, I mean, it can't hurt. We We have had a real hard time developing wide receivers here, getting another guy in here that can relate to the wide receivers and coaches the wide receivers up really well. Now, I don't know, like what gives me pause is that has Arizona really developed wide receivers? Well, I don't know. Like I, Christian Kirk has done significantly better in Jacksonville than he did in Arizona, but is that a product of Kyler and the offense or is that a product of the coaching? You know, it's hard to know. Yeah. And it's that scheme they run in Arizona. Uh, it, I have had my apprehensions with Cliff Kingsbury for a number of reasons yeah. and the general offensive system there. And it makes the whole wide receiver thing tough. I, one thing I found very interesting is you've got Sean Jefferson and Keenan McCardell there, the wide receiver coaches for 
Justin Jefferson and DeAndre Hopkins. Right. One, those, first of all, those are both guys the Patriots played this year. They had to right. deal with receivers on both of those teams. I'm guessing that kind of plays a part in, in this. Um, well, I'm also looking at this. Like DeAndre Hopkins is a guy who obviously is going to get traded this summer. Yeah. So maybe this is not a recruiting pitch, but a feeling out process. You talk Could to be. him, now you can get a little bit of a better idea of maybe where Hopkins is. Right. Um, and also Justin Jefferson gave a quote like a week and a half ago or something like that. Basically asked about his future in Minnesota. And his answer was basically, I'm going to go to whoever pays me the most. And sitting there thinking, like, I don't think the Patriots are going to trade for Justin Jefferson. But I remember there being rumors that they liked him that year. And yeah. now they're looking at his wide receiver coach. And they had to play against him. They know how hard he is to defend. And I'm sure they saw he did what, against, what, it, saw what he did against Buffalo in that game. Yeah. So look at this. It's like, hey, if they think they need a weapon on offense, put it all together. You're doing a little scouting here, I guess, minimum. <laughs> Right. hundred percent, you know, and, and at the very least, and we know Belichick loves to do his due diligence. Right. And so at the very least it's let's look into these and kind of see and see what happens. But also I think you get two guys you have a lot of respect for and Bill's done this before where it's like, Hey, we're going to throw this guy a bone. Ah, there's some, there's some talk about this, the Patriots being interested in this guy. They don't necessarily have a formal interview or anything like that. Cause that hasn't, how, that hasn't been how it's worked in the past, but He'll try to prop a guy's name up just by associating him with Belichick and the Patriots to say, oh, hey, the Patriots are thinking about bringing this guy onto the staff. And then all of a sudden people are like, oh, that guy. Oh, OK. Like, he might, you know, so it could be doing the same thing, you know, for two guys that he respects in the league to give them a shot at, at an OC job. And, you know, again, they may not get the job. They might not be ready to take that job, but it gives them an interview for offensive coordinator and it puts their name in the ring for other people. Nick Cayley's the guy that, to me, I can't imagine the Patriots hire him. It wouldn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense no. at this point. I think you kind of give him a thrown bone by giving him an interview and almost like feel like you're almost coaching him up for an interview to try to go somewhere else to be an OC, if that's the case. When he already did the interview with the Jets, too. Right. Um, I'd have to think partially you're interviewing him to hear what he has to say. And you give him the experience. I mean, I think if there's, if there's right. one thing we know of Bill – pretty sound like he'll he does write by people so yeah. i don't think he's gonna screw anybody over i think he's just like he's in kaylee's in the building i think i think it would be wrong to look at oc have somebody in the building who wants to be an oc and not give him the chance to interview even if he doesn't have a real shot at the job give him the look correct and i, I think one of the things that's coming out of all this like we're assuming bill o'brien is the guy uh apart from reporting from craig bedard who was saying that, oh, he isn't for sure the guy. Everybody else is saying he's the guy. Right. But you never know what happens in these interviews. That's the whole thing behind the Rooney rule, too, is like you have to at least look outside the box. You have to interview people you may not have considered otherwise. And yeah, maybe you go in thinking this is our guy, and you come out of the interview thinking, whew, we found somebody better. <laughs> right, well, which is true, you know. And that's why, like, I think I'd be really intrigued so the, the biggest thing for O'Brien and, and the biggest feather in O'Brien's cap is that he's a, he's a QB coach too, right? And mm-hmm. what he's done with QBs, I think that kind of gives him just an added advantage over anybody else because you're clearly in need of a good quarterbacks coach um, heading into this season. And you obviously don't have one on the on, on the coaching staff right now. And so you need one of those guys. And, you know, Bill O'Brien, for all his faults as a head coach, is a great quarterbacks coach. He's coached up some really terrible quarterbacks to be good. 
or at least serviceable and coach up some really good quarterbacks to be great. And so I think you have that where you can look at it and, you know, uh, to talk about Bryce Young and, and Bryce Young was talking about how much, you know, O'Brien has made to him, has meant to him in his maturation process and, and him getting better. And so I think that's huge. And that's one of the reasons why, I, you know, I almost have ad, am advocating for for two guys, right, to bring on a guy like And I almost wish that McCardo and, and Jefferson were switched. If their roles were reversed, I think we'd be in a better position because Arizona is in a lot of flex. And I know Monty, you know, who, who's obviously Monty Osenvort, who's a former Patriots guy, is now the GM over there. But he has no real connection. He has no connection to to uh, to Jefferson. Uh, to yeah, Jefferson. Yeah. He doesn't really have any connection to him. But Jefferson already has the associate head coach title. Now he doesn't know who the new head coach is going to be, but he has the associate head coach title. And maybe he'd take a maybe he'd take a linear move to come over here, right, mm-hmm. and, and be the wide receiver coach slash associate head coach like he is in Arizona because he knows that the that. The culture over here is stable. He knows what he's getting, whereas in Arizona, he has no idea who's going to get hired. It could be some guy that he doesn't really gel with or mesh with, and one year in, he's gone because they don't get along, right? Who knows, right? So he may say, you know what? I'll jump at that opportunity, but you know, you have to, you're going to have to then throw something at Jefferson to get him out of Minnesota because Minnesota's, I mean, like you're working with, Three, I think, pretty talented. I mean, obviously, one amazing wide receiver. And Adam Thielen is older, but he's still producing. And K.J. Osborne, I think, you know, I think has shown. That offense was really good this year. Yeah. So you'd have to really throw something at him. And again, it would have might have to be that associate head coach slash wide receiver coach. But I think bringing a new face in for the wide receivers would be a great thing. And, you know, would turn over that that offensive system really quick. Right. And it's funny because you mentioned before, you know, the, the guy who's the wide receivers coach at Alabama, you mentioned maybe bringing him along with Bill mm-hmm. O'Brien, if Bill O'Brien gets the, the OC job. And so, and that I don't think is out of the realm of uh, is out of the question either. There's a possibility that that something like that could happen. But to me, you need a full change on offense. You need a full change. We haven't seen enough growth from the wide receivers for years now. Um, you know, and so bring some bring some fresh blood in and see what they can do. And I think it says a lot. That, I mean, you look at the guys that they brought in. You got obviously Bill O'Brien who has the connections, but he's he's the QB guy. Bring right. two wide receivers coaches. Bring in Adrian Clem, another yeah. Bill Belichick connection here, yeah. who's an offensive line and yeah, running game guy. guy. Yeah. And Nick Cayley, who's a tight ends coach. So they're looking at every aspect of the offense here for who's going to run it. And that tells me they think they can improve in a number of facets, which I, I, mean, I think we all knew they could. Yeah. The passing game is going to get the attention too. Like, what's the running game? Despite having two really good running backs, there was not that good this year. Right, not as good as it's been in the past. Should have been better. They, they can. That's one of the reasons they struggled so much in the red zone. They got close and they could not run it in. They didn't have a goal line uh, formation this year, which is something that rarely came up because they rarely ended up in that situation. Yeah, but. Um, that's an area where they could use growth too. That's where Adrian Clem is really, really interesting to me because he's done a very good job at Oregon. He's not, a, doesn't have as much experience as these other guys. And I think he's probably the second least likely outside of Nick Cayley to get the job because of it. But he's another guy who, if they're looking for an offensive line guy, if they want to, if they want to look into this and say, we want to have an offensive coordinator and a run game coordinator or offensive coordinator and a pass game coordinator, like what happens in college. 
Right. They like to segment this stuff anyway. Even yeah. in the past, when it's when they've had Josh McDaniels, he doesn't do everything. They split up tasks. That's football. So right. we'll see. I wouldn't be shocked if multiple of these guys end up in New England. It's just, again, it's tough. It's only so many spots. And I think if they were going to clean house in the offensive staff, we would have heard about it by now. Right. Um, we have the Shrine Bowl coming up too, which they're going to have the offensive coaching staff. Like they're right. coaching that. So yeah. you, you got it. You can't clean house between now and then. That's for sure. Correct. Yeah. And that's, you know, and then it's like, okay, if Billy O gets hired, well, he can't get down to the Shrine Bowl, right? And if Jefferson or, or McCardell or even Clem get hired, they can't get down to the Shrine Bowl. So like, you know, so they're not a part of that, which is fine, you know, but, but it is some nice on the job work for them. Uh, you know, and then Demarcus Covington, of course, over at the Senior Bowl for the Patriots, which I think is great. And so you see, they do have guys that are up and coming. I think that they have some really good young coaches in the coaching staff. I just think they don't have that experience just yet, right? You know, back in 01, you had Charlie Weiss and you had Romeo Cornell, and those guys had years and years and years of experience. And then by the time you got to the second dynasty, you had McDaniels in there, and McDaniels had cut his teeth with the Patriots back then and, you know, had been around for years. And, you know, even even Patricia on the other side had been here since 01, 02. And so – they all, you know, had been Patriots lifers and had been here forever and learned a ton. Now you get guys that, you know, that and and Matty P and Joe Judge obviously have been coaching for a long time, but not on the opposite side of the ball, right? And you got a guy, <laughs> Billy Yates, who, you know, was was playing for the Patriots four or five years ago, right? And so it's like, and so they don't have they don't have necessarily the the uh, you know the experience that other guys did, but I do think that they have some up and coming guys. You know, Gerard Mayo. I mean, shoot, how long has he been a coach? A few years? And he's already getting, you know, some head coaching buzz without even that title, right? And so much yeah. so that the Patriots last week said, mm -mm, nope, he's staying with us, and we're you know going to do whatever it takes to bring him in. What does it say about the coaching staff right now? Too? Like Nick Cayley, who did very little, as far as we know, on an offense that was not good, is <laughs> getting OC interviews in right. and outside the building. Like that – that's how much this group is I still respected from the outside, I think. And the whole Bill Belichick mystique, is still, it tells you around the league what people yeah. think of Bill and the way they do things in the building and all that. Right. Um, they just they, they ran low on guys. They had a bunch of guys. You have Patricia and Judge and Flores and McDaniels all leave for head coaching jobs in quick succession. And each one of them has taken assistance. So right. that's yeah. from what, 2018 on. And yeah, right. that. Like we talk about how the Patriots have kind of been mediocre here since Tom Brady left. Let's not forget that started while Tom Brady was here yep. in 2019. Once they hit a wall in the midpoint of that season, that's yeah. when we started to see these issues come up and it's not that's part of it's drafting talent, but of course, yeah, they, they've lost a lot of coaches. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, you know, and again, on defense, you found Gerard Mayo. You found, I mean, Steve Belichick, you didn't find him, but you, you brought in Gerard Mayo. You have Steve Belichick. You have some of those good young coaches. You don't really have that on offense right now, right? And Nick Haley, I'm sure, does a fine job, but, like, I don't know. I haven't been super impressed with the tight ends. And so maybe, yeah. you know, and obviously they could have handed them that OC job, and they didn't. And so, you know, that tell to me, that tells me everything I need to know. He didn't get the job yeah. last year. And Tommy Karn was yelling about, like, he was here last year. Like, if you hire him now, what the hell are you doing, right? I think they had no plans to hire him, and I don't think they have any plans to hire him right now. So, you know, for whatever reason, it just didn't, you know, their 
the systems didn't mesh or whatever the case may be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and so we'll see. But it just they've found the guys, and not all the guys, but they found some of the guys to help out defensively. They haven't found enough of those young coaches offensively. And if they have, they haven't grown enough just yet. You know? Yeah. And that's, I'd like to, I mean, and that, it's one of the reasons why I'm not entirely sure they need to clean staff here either because these coaches are so young. And if you get a better offensive coordinator, coaches under them probably do a better job. Right. Uh, like maybe, yeah, we, well, the receivers haven't been great. Maybe Troy Brown is a little bit of an issue. Maybe the better offensive coordinator and Troy Brown having another year of this under, uh, under another year of experience under his belt, then right. all of a sudden things look a lot better. Yeah. This yeah. is, I mean, this is, his offense was not good last year either. So even with just competent coaching, um, Mac Jones doesn't have to be a superstar. Mac Jones can be the eighth best quarterback in the AFC, right in the middle, or the, even the 10th best quarterback in the AFC. And the guys on offense can separate the way you think they can. And the offensive line lives up to the talent that's on it. It's often should be no worse than like what 16th in the NFL should be in the middle. Of the yeah, pack. for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you have the, you know, you have the stud running back, you have some guys defense uh, offensively that can get open. And then, you know, you combine that with the defense that you have and you're looking at an easy playoff team every year. Right. And yeah. once you get in the playoffs, and we're going to talk about Super Wild Card Weekend, but once you get in the playoffs, it's one game. It's one Thank game, you, and weird things happen. And, you know, sometimes you win games, and sometimes you lose games because of good coaching, and sometimes, you know, or sometimes you lose games because of bad coaching, and sometimes you win games because of good coaching. And that just happens, you know, and that doesn't mean you're going to win the Super Bowl, but you can compete. And yeah. and at some point, that's really all you can ask for. And then maybe a few guys make a leap, and all of a sudden, boom, there you are, you know? Yeah. Oh, speaking of coaching and the whole one game thing, I went back. I was watching the the finally got through the Bills tape this week from the the week eighteen game. I want to look at the kick returns to figure out what happened. We were talking about Miles Bryant not making that tackle on the second one. Yep. I didn't really. When you watch it from the end zone angle, what you realize is that not one, not two, but three different Patriots players got tripped up on the play. I don't really. Maybe one was intentional. The other two definitely weren't. Just incidental contact and guys get tripped. Right. And then the guy who was trying to make the tangle, I think, got held on it. And right. it's like, that's how you end up with Miles Bryant as the last line of defense and something. I don't even know if that's coaching. That's just real bad yeah. luck. Right. And that's, you know, and unfortunately those things happen. And so you, you know, and you lose the game really. And again, we don't know if that lost in the game, but, you know, it sure didn't help. So, you know, maybe you still lose if you don't give up those two. Um, but You're my not goodness. doing yourself any favors. Correct. Right. And especially against a team like that. And well, look, I mean, you know, and I guess we can get into, we can get into the the weekend games and, and they were just some wild yeah. games, some can wild I, games. Go ahead. Before I do that, I wanted to bring one thing because I had texted you in the middle of the night, the other night about this. And I figured it was worth bringing it, yes. bringing it up on this show. Yep. <laughs> I couldn't sleep. We were talking, I was looking into the DeAndre Hopkins trade, like the idea of him coming to New England. I was in my head. I was like, I don't think, would Bill Belichick ever do this? Like this type of thing he'd do. And then what popped into my eyes was the very wide eyes of Rache Caldwell in the 2006 AFC championship <laughs> game. And how at the end of that season, it became very apparent. Patriots did not have an offense that could compete. And they went out and they traded for a guy out West. who People thought was washed up. It turns out still had a lot left in Randy Moss and where Moss was in his career and where Hopkins is now, 
very, very similar points in their career. Sure. There's only one year of age difference, both on their second team, both got shipped out somewhere. And uh, the price tag for Hopkins is going to be higher than it was for Moss in that one. And I think Moss had more character concerns around him than Hopkins does now. But we talked about the age concerns and it's like, I don't think Hopkins is going to be Randy Moss, but he can be what he has been. He's a, he's an upgrade on what they have right now. Yeah. And yeah. he's done this before. I that that was the big takeaway is they, oh, we've made this almost exact move before. And I was getting flashbacks to just the way Bill recognized things after that off season. And right. I, I feel like we kind of, have gotten sucked into the mystique of the Patriot way, especially the end of the dynasty. You look at the 2018 team as one that won with defense, was very much a grinded out thing, and looked at having Gronk and the way things happened. And we forget the way things were from like 20, 2007 to 2010, where they like really went all in on the offense. And the defense was terrible. And Bill made that happen. Like the offense, he made that happen. The defense made it happen too. But right. he's not afraid to be an offensive team if the weapons are there for the right price. Right. Well, and I think, too, the other part of it is that you already have some of that defense. And so you can yeah. go out and spend off <clears throat> offensively. And so I, I just I am interested to see kind of what they do. I think it's a good parallel. Now, of course, they're very different players. Hopkins mm-hmm. never had anywhere close to the speed that Moss had. He has less of that piece. now, um, but he's just so freaking good, you know, technically sound impossible i mean those 50 50 balls you know deandre uh devon parker is talking about how you know they're 80 20 balls with him they're like 95 five balls with with hopkins i mean he just he's nasty at that so very good after the catch too yeah which i think doesn't get talked about enough and um which i think they really need on this team Uh, i think they could use a jolt of energy somewhere with somebody after the catch i don't know who you want to look at but I want to keep Jacoby Myers, but also if you can get somebody who plays in the slot who has more juice after the catch than Myers, that opens up a different element. And if you were to trade for DeAndre Hopkins, I don't think you have to keep Myers. I think you can look for some other options. You could trade Kendrick Bourne even then, look for a better shifty guy to put in the slot, and you got options. Yeah. Yeah, so it is interesting. It's really fascinating, and I'm, I'm intrigued to see where it goes. The thing with Hopkins is that, and you said the price tag will be more than Moss. Moss went for a fourth round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, one of the best trades the Patriots have ever made. They traded out of the first one of the best round. trades in NFL history. Yeah, they traded. <laughs> well, my favorite part about it is that it's better than it's better than even just the fourth round pick for Randy Moss because they traded out of the fourth out of the first round uh, with the Niners. Got the Niners first round pick in 07 and the fourth round pick in 06. No, sorry. Uh, no, I had, right? I had the, I had, yeah, yeah, 07, 08. So, um, so they get the fourth round pick in 07, first round pick in 08, fourth round pick they trade to the Raiders for Randy Moss. Uh, first round pick the next year winds up being number seven, which they trade back Gerard. three spots and get Gerard Mayo at 10. And they, they picked up a third rounder, which ended up being Sean Crable, who sucked. But like, but they end up with a third, a fourth, and the number 10 overall, who ends up being the defensive rookie of the year in Gerard Mayo. So, you and know, it's a future assistant head coach, probably. Maybe, maybe even future head coach. You never know. Yeah. So, almost it, definitely uh, a head coach at some point in this yeah, league. For sure. You know, and maybe even here. Who knows? So, uh, oh, Charlie Foxtrot says that the Bruins and the Celtics both won. Looks like the yep. Celtics did end up pulling they it out in overtime. Yeah, they won right. that. Hit a couple of big shots, one by three. We'll so, see big it. stuff. Bruins crushed the Rangers. And they're so good. They're so good. Yeah. They've lost one one regulation game at home 
all year. All to the year. Kraken. They lost three nothing to the Kraken out of yeah. nowhere. Yeah. So and that's and they're doing it right now. Now DeBrusque has been out for like two and a half weeks. Yeah. Because he got hurt during the winter classic. So they're doing a right. winger. Yeah, and uh, they're just team is a ton of fun. They're like, an I, absolute wagon. They better like get deep into the playoffs this year. Like I'm enjoying the run, don't get yeah. me wrong, but I'm terrified of this team hitting a wall in late April. And right. oh, that's it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, it's like what a few years ago, right? They won the President's Cup and got bounced in the first round. And you're like, well, what the hell's the point of that? Like, they what did, are we doing? Well, they did. You know? They were the best team in the league at the COVID stoppage. And then right. they had to go play in the bubble and just never really regained it. And yeah. I think that was 2014 when they were the President's Cup. It got bounced by, oh, no. They got bounced by the Red Wings. There were two years there, I think, where they were the President's yeah. Cup. And they, they didn't make it past the second round. They, they got bounced the first round one time, bounced in the second the other time, I'm pretty sure. I think 2012 Oof. and 2014. So Right. Yeah, not great. I don't know the last time the best team in the NHL regular season actually won the Stanley Cup. It may have one of the recent teams may have done it, but as yeah, which, the last time the Bruins were there, I don't think it had happened. Yeah, which is not great. <laughs> which is it's not tough. great. Hockey is a hard yeah. thing. I love yeah. hockey. It's it's a tough sport to win. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. So yeah. All right. Let's get into let's get into Super Wildcard weekend. Uh obviously six games over the weekend. Tom Brady get got absolutely decimated. We don't even have to talk about the game. We don't. Brady's Brady's not going done, to Detroit. He's, but he's, he's, going. he's checked out of Tampa. He's going to Detroit. He wants oh, to go play. So he wants to play under Ben Johnson. It would be so good. I'll tell you what. I can't imagine him going back to Tampa. I can't imagine it. That have, sounded like a goodbye cap, press conference. Have you seen their cap situation? It's a disaster, isn't it? They're, fi- I think, $54 million over the cap already. Yeah. I don't think they can bring him back, even if they wanted to. To bring it's this is the Patriots in 2019. The cap yeah. situation is so bad that even if you want him back, you have to cut so much to get him on, on the roster that it's not worth having him. Right. And and the thing is, and we talked about this yesterday because Charlie Frogstrad's bringing up the you know the Raiders, and I and I see it, I get it, but you're going to go to the West and have to play against Pat against Patrick Mahomes twice a week, twice a year. Like, hey, he did he did go to the know. NFC South when Drew Brees was there, so. Yeah, but Drew Brees was cooked. I mean, we could all see that Drew Brees was cooked, couldn't we? Yeah, I think so. My issue with the Raiders is, is that even a better destination than the Buccaneers right now? Like, they have, they have the skill players, too, but the Buccaneers have skill guys. The offensive right. line is terrible in Las Vegas. They have no defense. The yeah. only appealing the appealing things are you get to play in a fun city with a coach you like indoors. Right. You're going to get hit. You're going to lose some games. Um, and. Yeah. If year one doesn't go well, McDaniel's might be fired. And what do you do? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And 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 uh, you know, and Charlie's saying that that the Raiders are better than Detroit. I don't think they are. I don't think they are. I think Detroit's a better overall team. I know their defense isn't quite as good. I feel like the Raiders defense is terrible too. But the Raiders, I think, have a better overall team than the than I'm sorry, too. the Lions, I think, have a better yeah. overall team than the Raiders. I, I do. I, I just and think that they're at that point right now. And a better coach team at the moment. I love Josh McDaniels. I don't have faith that he's the guy. We're seeing a guy, seeing a couple guys in Detroit. Their offensive I coordinator. Can, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can say that. I don't know if I can say that Dan Campbell's a better offense, a better coach than Josh McDaniels. But I don't think I don't think Dan Campbell is a better coach than Josh McDaniels. Yeah. I think Dan Campbell is an elite motivator of men, and then the offensive coaches they have under him are amazing, and they capitalize on that. Right. And Charlie, you're 100 right. It is a much better city, of course. And uh, Thad says to the Dolphins or the Jets, the Jets would we, just be next level we, trolling by Brady. Can we That'd block him for that comment? 
<laughs> Brady, if Brady comes to the AFC East and it's not to New England, Ooh. I'm going to lose my mind. Imagine playing Brady twice a year. I mean, that no. would be. I might not watch. <laughs> I couldn't do that. Man, the Dolphins, the Jets don't make any sense, but the Dolphins make. Well, the Jets make sense. I shouldn't say the Jets yeah. don't make sense, but but the Dolphins make a hell of a lot of sense. They make a lot of sense. But do then they again, know? they just fired every coach there with ties to New England, and they also have no offensive line. I know. Wow, that's a good point. I, I you know, I always look at their offensive line as like a little bit better than it actually is, and it isn't. So. Um, they have Teron Armstead. So it got better this year, and they have the weapons, and yeah. they have the coach. Like they're interesting in that way. I think Miami's probably a better destination than Las Vegas. But all, think, like all of the, all the New England connections gone. They got that right. out of the building. The hard the hard part for me is that you know, and and PFT was talking about this on on part of my take was saying you know that when you watch, and I thought it was a really good you know something that I saw too that he pointed out, and I guess I saw it without really being able to vocalize what I saw. And then as soon as he said it, I was like, Oh my God, he's totally right. Is that, you know, Brady just, he doesn't want to get hit. He doesn't want to get hit. He's he, when the pocket collapses, he just gets rid of the ball and you need a great offensive line. He's got to go somewhere that has a great offensive line. Detroit might have the best offensive line in football. Um, And so that's why Detroit makes sense. Now, if you're going to find someone else that has another really good offensive line, fine, wherever, wherever that is going to be. But, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's I don't, part of that too. Like we have seen Brady, like he'll stand in and take hits. If somebody down the field is open, nobody down the field is open. If he's no confidence, and anybody's getting open. He's just getting rid of the ball. Like, yeah. well, I think we saw that in 2019 too. Um, which I don't think it's a coincidence that both the 2019 and 2022 seasons we're talking about are both immediately after Gronk left. Like right. that's, it's probably the big thing here. He doesn't have a safety blanket anymore. Right? And I look back to the 2015 AFC championship game where he was just getting rock. Didn't matter. He was just throwing it up to Gronk and letting yeah. Gronk do something. Yeah. And Gronk was a beast. By the way, Thad, we know you're a Patriots fan and we know you just throwing out ideas, but it, it's the yeah. same thing with us. It, 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 okay. uh, it triggered yeah. Matt there say, for a second. So that's all yeah. <laughs> I will say. I rated in new England is not entirely out of the realm of possibility here. Only in that, like if Bill Bryan comes back, yeah. Bill O'Brien is the only head only coach out there who has the same ties as a guy like Josh McDaniels to him. And offensive line in New England, I have faith is going to be better than it is in most of the other places we're talking about. Yeah. And the defense is really good. And I guess I don't think Bill was 100% sold on Mac. If right. Brady said, Hey, I want to come back. I'll give, I'll guarantee you two years and I'll play it this amount of money you have to at least entertain the discussion. I don't think you have to sign him, but you have to talk about it because if you get rid of Mac too, that could be an extra draft pick. You can go in and maybe get, put your chips back all in for two years here and see what happens. Right. Hey, I mean, it's, you're not wrong. And I would probably, probably, I would hundred percent be on board with it. Regardless of how you feel about Mac Jones. I don't know how you couldn't be on, why you wouldn't be on board with it. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, but you never know. You never know. So um, crazier things have happened. That's very true. That's very true. Yeah. So all right. So Brady Wait, gets I killed. Know, Hold on. We, Go ahead. We were gonna we were gonna talk about that. I realized there was other Patriots news that dropped today that we haven't talked about, which is the schedule for next year. Oh yes, thank you. Pats are playing in Germany. They are. They are. We're in losing fact, the home game, which stinks. They are losing a home game, but because of the seventeen game schedule and the rotating extra game, they had nine home games anyways. 
So now you're getting still eight home games at Gillette Stadium and then one home game in Germany. So you are still getting those home, those eight home games. So like for me, who's season ticket holder, I'm going to be paying actually a little bit less this year, you would think, because I'm not paying for the Germany ticket, obviously. Um, and so, you, you know, I'm probably only, what you paid this. You're actually, you're going to pay less than this year because it'll be one home preseason game and not right. Two. Correct. Yep. So yeah. I'll only be paying for nine games instead of 10. Um, and of yeah. course, you know, I won't, the, the extra game won't be a preseason game like it was this year. So it won't be less. Well, it probably won't even be less anyways. What am I talking about? But you know, but who knows? So, uh, but either way, you're still going to get those eight home games. And I assume, and I might be wrong about this, but I assume that the five teams that they mentioned all have that ninth home game. Other, or otherwise, why, you know, it doesn't make any sense to take it away on a year where they only have eight home games. So, We'll see, but yeah, I'm curious who they play over there because I know in the past when the Pats had gone uh, over to Europe, like we played the Buccaneers over there, and they kind of have yep. the the NFC game. Right. So I was thinking, all right, they they play the Saints as their extra game next year. I was thinking right. maybe that's who they Could go with. One. But I also, but I look at recent ones. They played the Raiders in Mexico City when they did that, and the recent games that they've sent over there. What was it? There's there's Seahawks Buccaneers, which is an NFC one. Um, right. Who did the Jaguars play this year? I don't, oh, remember. I don't even remember. I don't remember. I I, yeah. I couldn't tell you any of the any of those games to be honest with you. But if you look at it right, you, you're not going to play one of your divisional games over there. So it's going to be the Colts. Well, that, well, that's what I was thinking. Like, I'm not so sure that they that that's the case. I think I think Patriot fans would be upset. But is the it divisional is, game? Like, are jo- the Bills no, no, no. getting? Are, are the Bills getting an international game next year? I think year? the Bills are getting an international game okay. already. Then they're not going to do that, and they're not going to yeah. send the Jets or the Dolphins unless like Tom Brady goes to one of those places. Right, like Lamar right. goes to one of those places. Yeah. So you got the Colts, the Chargers, the Saints, like you said, the Eagles, and the Commanders, and the Chiefs. So those are your six games. And it's not going to be the Chiefs. And it's not going to be the Chiefs because they have another one too. Right. So neat, both of those teams are out, right? And so – I'm looking be. at going to Pat's Eagles with an Eagles fan friend. So if that's the one that gets sent, I'm going to be a little upset. <laughs> that's going to be frustrating. Yeah, yeah. I, I if if I'm now, I think that the that I would assume now that the owner has something to do with it, right? Has some say in who is going to be over there with him. And so I would think if you're Kraft, you want the Eagles in Gillette because that's going to yeah. be a huge game. You're probably going to yeah. get a prime time game out of that. And so what you'd probably yeah. want to do is that ends up being a matchup. That's going to be a one o'clock game that no one's going to care about, like the saints or, or the like Colts. the commanders or the Colts, something like that. Well, and, because and the Colts, you know what I mean? Pat's Colts was just at Gillette last season too. Good point. So I could totally, and it seems like they want to do the AFC one, like the, the yeah. interconference ones or intra-conference ones. Right. So, I bet it. I bet it ends up being Pat's Colts, and I don't like that because I love it when the Colts come to town, especially like when I, you can beat them down. I still have that residual hatred from. I mean, there's years of hatred with the Colts. Oh yeah. So oh, I yeah. love anytime they come to fights. I wish every Colts football game had to be played in the snow at Gillette Stadium. Yeah, I agree. Uh, <laughs> I agree, hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. So, um, but. Anyways, so that's so we'll see what happens there. My dad's already talking about trying to go to that game. I try to go to an away game every year. I don't know how I'm going to make that happen. It's just so expensive to get over there, and the time commitment to get over there is a lot too. So, 
Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it happen, but maybe he will. You never know. So, and maybe I fun. even will, depending on when it's scheduled. Who knows? And maybe it's during Oktoberfest, too. Oh, well, that might sway my opinion a little bit. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. But although I can't drink beer, can we, so. Can we, do a, can we do a Pat's pulpit trip to, uh, <laughs> to Germany? I, hey, I don't know if Burned will pay for it, but we can ask. I mean, there's no harm in asking. All you can say is no, right? So uh, we can visit him. Of course, yeah, we're going to do a Pat's pulpit trip to Germany when he lives in Austria. I feel like that one's oh. not going to fly. Yeah, also, I want to mention it because we get the comment from Thaddeus Skywalker. I'm I am also still salty about Deflategate in reference yep. to my Colts comments. It's not just Deflategate. I go back to 0304 with the complaining about the pass interference from AFC Championship. Yeah, when they changed the rules. Yeah, Teddy Bruschi. Yeah, change the rules, change them. We'll still play and we'll win. <laughs> so good, so good. And Charlie pointed out too that the. Uh, Last President's Trophy winner was the Blackhawks, who beat the Bruins in the in the finals. So, don't remember um, that game. I, I tried to push that one out of my memory. Devastating, just devastating. Not that they were going to win Game Seven, but still, absolutely devastating to lose like that. Um, all right. So now let's actually get into Super Bowl card weekend. We talked about the well, we didn't talk about the Brady game. We don't have to talk about the Brady game. That was an absolute just just a butt whooping. We don't have to talk about it. I feel like the Seattle game. We don't have to talk about a ton. Although I will say, I'm impressed. With what I saw from Brock Purdy, he impressed the hell out of me. I just I thought that that was, I thought that that was interesting. I don't know this guy's saying monkey for OC. I don't know who that. I don't know who that is. Is that is that oh, Bill O'Brien? Is he talking about Munkin, the guy from Georgia? Oh, maybe. I don't know. Oh. So, um, but either way. Yeah, that so, is. You say you're only 21. You became a fan when you were six. All right, I'll send you some YouTube videos later and. You can you catch right. up on some of the lore here. <laughs> there you go. So you were right. So Evan did say, so is Todd Munkin is the guy that he wants to talk about. And listen, he OC from Georgia. He deserves the love for sure. Uh, yeah. They did a ton. I wouldn't hate that. This year. I wouldn't hate it either. Now, of course, there's been no smoke with that yet. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him get someone. I mean, back-to-back national championships. And, you know, Stetson Benton's your quarterback. And your offense is really good. And... They don't have, I mean, they only had George Pickens last year, but Pickens was really kind of hurt for most of the year last year. Like they've done a lot with not, you know, dominant tight ends, but like who wins with dominant tight ends and okay quarterbacks? They win on the line of scrimmage. They just keep churning out offensive linemen who Patriots could draft one or multiple. They certainly might. They certainly might. I'm fully on board with the Pats taking, was it Broderick Jones from Georgia? Yeah. And also Darnell Washington, the tight end, who actually I was listening to Prospects the Pros, the athletic podcast today. I mentioned Darnell Washington as a tight end, as a guy who could potentially convert to tackle down the line if needed. Because oh, of his his size and his yeah, ability like to block. Eight, right? Isn't he huge? Two eighty. Yeah. That's a big that's yeah. a big boy. Which, you know, we've had issues with blocking and he's not an offensive lineman right now, but you draft a tight end who can do that, and I'll feel a lot better about all of the blocking that comes with it. <laughs> I wouldn't hate it. Wouldn't hate it. So so, all right. So here we go. So, all right. So let's get actually get into it. Seattle, San Fran. Again, I was impressed with with San Francisco. I was impressed with Seattle. I thought that was going to be a blowout. Seattle came out, played hard. Gino's a good, you know, a Gino. I think is a, a, an objectively pretty good player who's going to get a contract. Seems like it's going to be in Seattle still, um, but he's going to get a contract. I think he's proven that he can that he can do it. Um, and so, you know, I, I feel like. I'm happy for Gino. I also feel like the bubble was going to burst a little bit, and it did, um, you know, on him. But for the most part, he had, he had a pretty damn good season. Yeah, he did. I mean, the 49ers 
outside of the quarterback position are so ridiculously stacked. Yeah. yeah. That like it's I mean Brock Purdy did well. He didn't have to do much. I still think still not sold on him, but yeah. But he did okay. He did okay. Did enough. I he thought. did enough to you know win. I mean? That's right. I mean at this right. point that's all we need. There's no there, it's the playoffs. There is no past. There is no future. It's survive that week and get 100%. Yeah, 100%. And I I was impressed with um that was going to say, oh no no what I was going to say was that Seattle if you're a, if you're a Seahawks fan you got to feel great about the future because not only do you make the playoffs and of course you end up losing to San Francisco which if you had won it would have been great but if you had won it would have been like the biggest upset in in a long time but for for them you get the number 5 pick in the draft because Denver sucks so much that you get rid of Russ and get a top 5 pick and now you can you can rebuild on the fly while overachieving this year, which is great, you know, so incredible, so good for them. So, all right, and then the Saturday night game. Listen to me, everyone out there, boys and girls, lend me an ear, and let me just remind you that thank God you're not a Chargers fan. Just thank God you're not a Chargers fan because that was the everyone saw coming. We all knew it was going to happen. We all knew it was going to happen. As it was happening, I'm sitting there saying, all right, Jaguars are getting killed, and they're probably not going to come back. But it is the Chargers. They certainly could blow it, and they blew it. And it's just what like – What Bosa doing? Just some of the dumbest penalties. Yeah, like, right. no and, need for it. And that's the stuff. That's the type of stuff where it's like you can't – because the thing is is that just don't say anything to the ref. Just don't say anything. What are you doing? Well, that is that a slamming of the helmet and just having an absolute temper tantrum. And then his coach is trying to help him out. He doesn't take it. Like he slams no. it again. He credit him for taking ownership of it after the fact. Yeah. That's all well and good, but that's also not going to get the yardage back. Can't can't lose your mind like that. And, and he got the penalty. So the slamming of the helmet wasn't a penalty. Yeah. He got the penalty for talking to the ref, and he must have obviously yeah. said some choice words to the ref. And so that's why, to me, it's like just shut your mouth and get off the field. What, like, what are you doing? Yeah, you know? I don't know like, what the ref was doing there, chasing him down. But I also don't think the ref chases him down unless he said something. And my guess is the ref's coming over to say, "Hey, I'm giving you a warning for this." Right. Or to and talk then, to you. I mean, it's not uncommon for a ref to kind of go over to a player and say, "Hey, I'm not going to flag you for this, but if you do right. it again, I'm going to get right. you. We're going to have a conversation. Yep. I'm going to say I didn't like this. This is." I'm calling this tonight. If you do it again, it's a flag. And my guess is he went over to have that conversation. And before you'd even have the conversation, Bosa upped it another level. And by the way, you said he took ownership for it, but did he? Because then he's over there talking about, oh, the refs are saying, oh, we got that guy and laughing about it and stuff. And it's like, bro, what are you doing? Well, he did. He took ownership for the helmet part. Uh, right. People were people were blaming Brandon Staley saying, oh, he needs to control his team. And Bosa was like, he did what he was supposed to do. And I just ripped, ripped the helmet back and did it again. That's me. No, right. 100%. But, you know, he's not taking ownership for what he did. He's talking about how the refs are out there, out to get him and stuff. It's like, dude, stop it. This isn't, like, you know. A franchise is so, like, it's, I don't care how good the Chargers look on paper. I'm penciling in our game against them next year as a win until the Chargers prove otherwise. This is why you pick the Chargers this weekend. I'm like, there's no way. They're the Chargers. I will never pick the Chargers to win a game ever. I don't care what their lineup looks like. I don't care who the guys are. And you look at Staley. Staley avoided avoided getting fired this year somehow. If this happened again next because year, because he got the team can't... to the playoffs with, with all the injuries they had, and they were Correct. an improvement, but but then but <laughs> then you got had guys healthy, and he played everyone last week, and you got Mike Williams yeah. hurt, that's and it's like, like, what are you doing? Yeah, that's and it's like out of the whole 
Like when it comes to what happened Saturday night, that's a team thing. That's on the head coach and everybody else. Like right. Brandon Sedley probably shouldn't get fired for that alone. But the fact that you get a receiver hurt by not playing him, I, I tweeted out like kind of saying I want would want him gone. I'm off of that boat, but it's like, all right, he's got one more chance. You get yeah. new OC, you get some talent. Cause I think he did some good things, but he also, I, he also totally like, a like his whole thing was like, I'm going to play the metrics. I'm going to play the computer, all of that. By the end of the season, he was playing scared. He got scared out of all of that because of the way the media was talking about it. And right. it's like, you can't do that. You have to make what you, you got hired because you said, this is what I bring to the table and this is what I do. Well, you can't then bail on that when fourth things and, there's pressure. Fourth and three up 10. Fourth and three up 10 with nine minutes left to go in the eight minutes left to go in the game. And you kick the field goal and you're at the 20 yard line. What are you doing? What are you doing? This all year long, this is what you've done. The last two years is what you've done. And you you make it, you you try to make it a two score game. You try to make a two score game a two score game. That doesn't help anything. If they no. scored a touchdown on that drive and make it 17, the game's over. And it's not necessarily no. over, but a three score game with seven minutes left to go in the game. It's basically going to take more time off the clock. Right. And I think this is the other thing is like they didn't go for it because their offense wasn't that good. Right. It just wasn't. They scored a lot on short fields because of turnovers because Trevor Lawrence made a couple mistakes in there and they got unlucky and all that. And yeah, that Chargers offense, despite all the time, like Justin Herbert's really good, but he has his issues and the rest of the team is not good enough to overcome that. Right. So, well, and some people will blame Joey Bosa for the loss. Right. I think that's crazy because, you know, Jacksonville had the ball now first and goal at the five yard line or something like that. Like, I still think they probably score a touchdown and win the game anyways, even mm-hmm. if Joey Bosa doesn't have that meltdown there. That meltdown, remember, only cost them one point. That went from an extra point to a two point conversion. And so, of course, it made it so that a field goal could win the game instead of tying the game. But maybe the Jaguars score a touchdown there anyways and win the game. And yep. it doesn't matter, you know. So, and of course, we don't know if that would have happened for sure. But like to you know to hang it on, and I've seen people hanging on Joey Bosa. Like no, no, stop it! Like no, don't do that. It's it was the whole team, uh, you yeah. know. And of course, that was incredibly stupid by, of him. But it just but it's everybody. It's just what happens. It's what happens yeah. when you're when you when you play for the Chargers, you know. Yeah, and it's also I had flashbacks to like Nate Kading. I was that against the Jets in 05 oh, or Lord, dude. yeah, that, like I was I was getting that like dude Marlon Cree six or whatever. Marlon oh, yeah, McCree. Marlon McCree. Well, because they missed the kick is what I'm saying. It's like right. with Nate Kading. No, I know, but Marlon McCree ends the game. Ends the yep. game, and instead of going Troy down, Brown. he keeps running. It's like, what are you doing? Legendary Patriots, legendary defensive back Troy Brown right. saves the day. Right, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. crazy. Also, I don't think we could talk about this game without mentioning how amazing that play they ran on fourth down was. That was so fantastic. Awesome. Loved it. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. And it's one of those things that you can kind of – and not that you knew it was coming because no one really saw it coming, but even if you had an idea it was coming, it's still almost impossible to stop because you have to protect the middle. You have to put everyone in the middle because you can run it straight up the gut for six inches. But then all of a sudden ETN gets the ball and of course he's going to beat your guy to the sideline and he just, he just so, smokes him to the sideline. Yeah, you can do. Asante Samuel Jr. They, uh, the guy they ran it. Yep. Yep. So was who, uh, that, you know, that whole, QB sneak thing where they line up to push the quarterback. There's no shot that's going to be legal next season. They're going to outlaw that. It never was legal. You never could do that. And now all of a sudden you, you can. 
I think you kind of have been able to, and they just like nobody did it because you can get guys hurt, and then the Eagles well, realized that Jalen Hurts was strong yeah. enough to withstand it. <laughs> I feel like it used to be it used to be a penalty. I think I think that's in, co- that's in college. Well, maybe maybe you're right. Bush push. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. So, all right. Let let next game Minnesota. Uh, Giants. Well, actually, technically, it was the Buffalo game, right? Was the was the uh, one o'clock game, Buffalo Miami, and this is where, this is where, Josh Allen still has those bad plays in him. He has those bad plays, man. Those turnovers were ugly. He was missing open receivers, and if Jalen Waddle catches any of those long passes, they win that game, and they win that yeah. game comfortably, maybe. And if, you know, Mike McDaniel, instead of vaping on the sideline, can get a freaking call in, you know, and I know, I, I, and Dan Orlovsky is trying to make excuses for him and this and that, but, but, dude, I'm sorry. You thought it was first down. It wasn't. It was fourth down. So you got them to push it up. Fine. That's okay. You did that. That I'm, I'm totally fine with that. But the issue that I have is this. Very simple for me. You had 50 seconds. 50 yeah. One seconds, you broke the a, huddle with three with four was, seconds left. And it was a pattern all day long, too. That's the issue. So we all saw it coming. Right. Like right. and that's I think between this game and that Chargers game, like we're seeing just young head coaches working through their flaws. Like they're gonna we're gonna learn from this, we're gonna grow from it probably. Right. But it's it's rough to watch happen. Yeah. Well, and that's <laughs> and that's the thing. And it, it's like you just can't that can't happen. That can't happen. I thought the play call on third down sucked. I didn't know what you were doing running up the middle when they had they stuffed the middle with guys and you're running up the middle. I also thought ways, they got no the sense. first on that. I, I, I think he was short. Spot. What's interesting though is that they didn't get that call, but the Bills got the first down call on their final drive. And again, the, the Dolphins didn't get the ball back with like 20 seconds after something like that. But yeah. still, that the close. game wasn't over at that point. And that ended the game. So they gave the Bills the first down when they didn't give the Dolphins the first down. Not saying that the NFL wants anything to happen. Not saying that. But it is interesting that they gave the Bills a questionable first down and they didn't give the Dolphins a question. I thought he was short. But again, he was a half a yard short just like the Bills were. And they gave the Bills the first down. So they could have easily given the Dolphins the first down too. So I have uh, a working theory in here about Josh Allen, by the way, that if he doesn't think the other team or the other quarterback is that good – that's when he's just like, I'm just going to throw it down the field every time because they can't beat us and we'll hit enough of these that we'll win. And you might uh, and then they, be right. And then they – I think this is one of the reasons why the Patriots have struggled against him so much is that like, it seems like for the big games, that's when he puts in the preparation and that's where he has that really consistent game plan. And like remember when the Patriots played the Bills in the playoffs last year, Josh Allen did not look good going into the playoffs. He looked really bad at point down the stretch. He had a game against Atlanta at home in the snow, or he just looked, had no idea what he was doing. Yeah. And the playoffs come and he makes every single throw and he makes every correct decision. Right. I think he just locks in against good teams and against, and in big moments. And he didn't think, you know, a Sunday one o'clock game against the Dolphins is a big moment. And I, again, with Skylar Thompson and I can't blame him. Yeah. By the way, Skylar Thompson, there's a period in time on Sunday afternoon where Skylar Thompson was the best quarterback on that field. And he, it was the receivers that were letting him down. What a world. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. So that just goes to show you, man, anything can happen on a, uh, on a football yeah. Sunday. So, uh, all right, next game, Miami, uh, Miami, Minnesota and the Giants. This one, we both picked wrong. Um, although, you know, like I say, on tally side, I picked the Giants to win and in here, I picked Minnesota to win. So, um, but Minnesota loses, uh, 
I think everyone saw this coming. I think everyone in the entire nation yeah, saw this coming. Nothing about this was shocking, except for yeah. And I thought, all right, the Vikings are going to do something in the clutch, and they couldn't put it together. And yep. I, I think the Giants are legitimately like kind of good now, right? Like, like, like they're they're not they're not good, but they're kind of good. Yeah, I, I'm going to be interested to see what happens in that Giants Philly game. So yeah, um, that's going to be interesting. So, yeah. anyways, not a is surprise. There, Minnesota yeah. is who we thought they are, as Denny Green would say. Uh, they're frauds. They they were fraudulent all year. They were eleven and zero in one score games, and they lost when it mattered most. And that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then the uh, the Sunday night game was just the Cincinnati game. That game was ridiculous because Cincinnati that fumble return. That fumble return was nuts. I don't know what that. I don't know what that play call was. Number one, I don't know what the play call was. Number two, I don't know what the hell Huntley was thinking. He's at the no, two yard line. It was a QB sneaking. He was supposed to go low on it, and it looked like he looked like he had room too. Yeah, he to go. He had no idea where he was on the field. Right, right. So the ball gets stripped out, and you know he picks it up, and there's a questionable questionable block in the side slash back. Mark Andrews almost chased him down. I didn't. I I looked at it just, very similar the to the to the Marcus Jones one against. Exactly, the Jets, that's all right? I was thinking of. Is yeah. to get it close to the side, I have no issue with it. Right. Um, right. And because like realistically, that. I know the hand ends up on the back, but he really hit him from the side to begin with, and then yeah, the hand is really just trailing on the back. So I didn't have a problem with it. Some people complain about it afterwards, but like it is what it is. Okay, Mar- so fine. Mark Andrews tracks him down at the four yard line. Okay, like you think they're not going to score? Like, come on, who cares? You know. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, so that's that. That was a that was a wild game. Baltimore had no had no right even being in the game, but we said it on the podcast that you know you have to look at that and say it's a divisional game. It's going to be tight. It's going to be close, and so you know that's how it's going to end up. And the funny thing is, I, no, I was going to say I picked the under. The under was forty and a half, and it was forty one. So like. Wow. You know, it just, but they, but they nailed it as far as, you know, the over under as, as setting the line. But yeah, not a ton of scoring, good defense played by both. And, you know, typical AFC North football where, you know, hard nosed, tough nosed football. And it was just, you know, a, a hard fought game, all game. And that, that fumble changes the whole game. Yeah. Uh, there's a Ravens defense that's given the Bengals issues anyway. Yeah. And they they did again. I, I'm not super shocked by that in this either, but they made enough plays to win. And Bengals D makes the play at the end, and that that's your ball game. I'm very curious. We'll talk about it in a sec here, obviously. But this this Bills Bengals game, very I feel very differently about it now than I did when they met in the regular season too. These teams seem to be in very different places than they were then. So I, I don't know what we're gonna get on Sunday. Right. Well, that's. And that's what's really going to be interesting to me because they are four solid games. And so let's get into them. We're going to pick them uh, again as we did last week. Last week, Matt, you went two and four. I went five and one last week. Uh, Build myself, built myself a nice little lead. You picked with your heart, Matt. You picked with your heart and not your head. You wanted Seattle. See, we're past, we're past like the Patriots season. So I'm just in this fun. Like I'm rooting for (laughs) chaos. I want weird stuff to happen. I, at one point I was sitting there thinking, can we get a, we got a Baltimore versus Jacksonville AFC championship and a Giants Buccaneers NFC championship. Hey man. Obviously not, not going to happen, but you know, know, it's weird stuff happens in football. Right. Right. So, all right, let's go chronological here with the, with the uh, divisional games. Jaguars chiefs. Is there any chance 
Is there any chance that the Jags can go into Arrowhead and pull out a miracle? Yes, but no. Right. That's kind of my like they if the right stuff happens, if that defense can force turnovers, I think they're gonna have a real shot. I'm gonna take the over on this game because yeah, I think we're gonna get a lot of points. Uh but this feel it feels like one of those games, like even the, the Jaguars that might like hang around. Like this might end up being Trevor Lawrence and Patrick Mahomes going shot for shot for a little bit, just back and forth. And then all of a sudden you're gonna look up and the Chiefs are up by 10 in the fourth quarter starting and they end up winning it by like 17 or 21 or whatever, because they just pull away at the end and that Jags defense just can't get enough stops. Right, right. And you know, T Law is then taking chances and stuff because he's down by 14 points and and has to and has to try to fit some balls in there that he shouldn't be doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I can certainly uh <clears throat> excuse me, I can certainly see that happening. All right, Giants Eagles, Saturday night. Same thing, man. I, I'm in the same position with this game. I wish the Giants could pull it out. I'm rooting for the Giants. I just they just don't have the firepower. You know, Jalen Hurts now has had two weeks to get healthy after that last last game of the season. He played a little bit, but he really wasn't 100 percent healthy. I think that you know, I really look at it and think that there's no way the Giants go into Philly and win that game. Again, possible, just extremely unlikely. I think they have a better shot than the Jaguars do probably because they've played each other a little bit more like Jags and Chiefs played in the regular season, but I don't know. I think the Eagles defense matches up really well against what the Giants do on offense. And it's going to take a perfect game from the Giants. I'm one of these teams can do it. But yeah. Can I also comment here on the fact that like, we're both rooting for the Giants in this one. I know. Like, look how, look how much things have, have changed. Like I, I still have, like, I don't care that things have changed in Indy. I still have that pent up. Yeah, anger against them. That's gone for me with the Giants. I don't know where that went. That's a recent development for me. But right, right. So the thing is, and and that's not wrong, right? He's saying it rather to the Eagles win it all, or or see then see Dallas and the Giants. I get it, but like the Eagles fans are just insufferable. They're just yeah. insufferable, and we also lost to Philly more recently than we lost to the Giants. And so, like you know, that's kind of where I'm coming from with that. Dallas, we'll talk about Dallas in a minute, but. Uh, Dallas, I'm like, I don't want anything to do with Dallas. I don't want anything to do with Dallas. Yeah. See, at least for also with the Giants, too, like they're a little bit level. Like it's an entirely new group of people there than it was in 2007 or 2011. Yeah. Um, Dayball, former Patriot, right? Like, so, you know. Yeah. Like Daniel, like as a Mac Jones fan, I feel like I have to root for Daniel Jones. That's his long lost. That's his just goofier older brother. <laughs> like I, it's, it would be hypocritical to root for one and not root for the other. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, say <gasps> I like Saquon too. That, yeah, that story him coming back this year. He's so much fun to watch. Uh, yeah, so he is. Still, still a stupid draft game. pick, but he's a, fu- a lot of fun to watch. Um, makes, hey, if they if they pull off something out, that Giants defense is good. So I think they might actually be able to slow down the Eagles, but I thought the Eagles are going to grind this out by like 10 points. Yeah. So the Saturday games will be fine, I think. The Sunday games, though. Man. So first up, Sunday afternoon, Buffalo, Cincinnati. And I I keep going back and forth in this game. I want desperately. I desperately want to pick Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati can win this game. They beat the Bills last year in the playoffs, did they not? Um or the Bills no, they didn't the, play the Bills. The Bills lost to the Chiefs last year, right? Yeah. Right. And the okay. Bengals so, beat the Chiefs. And the Bengals beat the Chiefs, right? So so but either way, I I want Cincy to win. I think Cincy can win. 
I just, this is the DeMar Hamlin game. DeMar Hamlin's been spending time at the facility. He's going to be on the field on Sunday afternoon. He's probably going to lead them out of the tunnel. The place is going to go freaking ballistic. He's probably going to, right, walk out for the coin toss or something stupid like that. It's, so I don't know how Buffalo, now, maybe Buffalo comes out too high because of that and they're not focused and they end up, you know, they end up doing some stupid things and losing. But like outside of that, I just, I don't see how, you can overcome that extra that they have going for them, right? And, and again, combine it with the fact they didn't play well last week, and so they're going to be yeah. extra focused already this week. I want to pick Cincy so bad, so bad, but I, I just I don't know if I can. I just don't know if I can. When it's tough, like this game should be played on a neutral site. If we're being honest with ourselves here, like of all the games that could have been in this, like especially the way things ended with that. Like yeah. the Bengals basically were totally in on it with the bills and saying, Hey, we're going to like, we know what's going on here. We don't want to play either. We'll, we'll, we'll sit this out. And that would have decided if the Bengals, the Bengals had a lead and were moving the ball when that game ended. Right. They had to cancel it. But if I they think won that game, they'd be hosting this. And I think it's, uh, I think it's unfair to hold that against them. No, I don't think they would. I don't think they would. Yeah. Cause what didn't the bills one, they're one game back of the current standings. Um, that would have been a tie, and they would have had the tiebreaker. So they had to head. Oh yeah, I guess they would have had right. I suppose that's true. Yeah, and that's from like if, especially since they were like they all did the right thing. Like if if we're saying Bills Chiefs should be neutral site, I feel like this one should also be neutral site. And now now you're in the position where after doing the right thing. Right. The Bengals now have to go on the road in a playoff game with the guy coming back on the sideline in that emotional environment. That's a, it's a tough situation for them, that's for sure. But I do think, I'm, and I might be wrong, but I think that wouldn't the Bills have been the two seed no matter what? Isn't that wasn't that kind of the? No, I don't believe so. I don't have the playoff thing in front. I guess of me, they both but... would have been fourteen and four. I guess I was thinking that the. Yeah, okay, because the Chiefs they only had three would, losses, right? So, yeah, so they, so they would they have been were, tied there, and the yeah. Chiefs would have had home field. Both and them. the Bengals, and the Bengals would have the two seed. I yeah. said the Bengals. Yeah. It is. It is interesting that they didn't make this one a neutral site. That they made yeah. the AFC Championship game as a neutral site, but not this one. It just seems kind of strange. Because if that is the fact, then why wouldn't it be a neutral site, right? Exactly, especially with the way things went down in the first, like. I, I, in some ways, there's a better argument for this being in Cincinnati than it being in Buffalo because you could have said, well, we're just going to end the game with the score where it was, and that means it's in Cincinnati. And, like, right. Bengals had yeah. the home game and didn't get to do it and all that stuff. Like, So, I don't know. I, I think the Bengals are going to come in with a chip on their shoulder. I think they can be a better team than the Bills. My concern is their offensive line. Right. right. Because we're right back to where we were last year because everybody's hurt. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, um, I'm picking the Bengals. I'm you doing are. it. Love I'm it. Doing it. No I love Warriors. it. Finally, doing it the second year in a row. Hey, we got to do it because right now we had the first, the first two we both picked the same team. So, uh, so we got to, we got to be a little different here. You're not going to be able to gain any ground. So, um, all right. And the last game is the Sunday afternoon, late afternoon game, 6 30 game on Sunday, uh, is Dallas. At San Fran, an old '90s matchup, a uh, uniform matchup, right? Ah, oh, it's so good. It's classic. So good. Although I, these Cowboys uniforms to me, I'm still not the biggest fan of. But 
Yeah. Yeah, you, but you know. Do yeah. you want a fun fact about the Cowboys uniforms? Let's hear it. Do you know I why always, you they know wear pants? You know why they wear pants that are the color of the pants they wear? You know, like the pants and the helmet do not match. These are two different colors. That's true. Yeah. You, they do it because when the games were on black and white TV, the silver of the pants didn't look like it matched the silver of the helmet. So they intentionally made the pants a different color that on TV would look like it matched the silver of the helmet. And they just never changed it. Well, then they won in it. And they've yeah, all, and yeah. now it, it's changed over time, depending on like the manufacturer of the pants. Because now it's like almost the powder blue the Chargers wear. Right. But it yeah. used to be like just a little bit off, off white or off, off gray there. A little bit it's blue great. green. It's a great little fact right there. I like that. I like yeah. that. Yeah. So, uh, this game, this game is tough to predict. Tough to predict. Uh, I'm going Dallas. I'm going Dallas. I think it's crazy. I don't feel good doing it. I don't feel good at all doing it. But I'm going Dallas specifically because their defense is so good. And their defense, okay, that's not true. Their defense isn't so good. But they have they so have many Parsons. different play mar- playmakers, right? They have Micah Parsons, who's just, he's like so good himself. He wrecks the whole game by himself. Um, And, you know, what concerns me is that they absolutely decimated the the Bucks. That concerns me because I feel like then their you know then their confidence level is a little too high going into San Fran. But I also think that can work in their benefit, of course, because the you know they feel good about themselves and they have the confidence going in as well. So I'm on the fence about it. I don't love it, but I'm going Dallas. Uh, Almost because, like, I just want the Brock Purdy talk to end. I- I'm happy about Brock Purdy. I think he's played well, but like, let's pump the brakes a little bit, right? And so, and so, if Dallas can go in there and knock him off, then it then it kind of stops that Brock Purdy talk. However, if Brock Purdy keeps winning, it is going to be interesting to see what happens to Trey Lance over the offseason. So that's kind of why it's like, you know, I don't mind either way. Um, but but yes, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to go to Dallas. I'm going with the team with the better uniforms. That's the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> I like, it. I like. I like. It. I think they're the better team here. I and I think Brock Brock Purdy might have a meltdown, but also that Niners defense is so like this might end up being by the end of it just a defensive slugfest. And Brock Purdy might make more mistakes, but he also has so much help from the guys around him that uh, this might be one of those games where it's like, all right, Brock Purdy is gonna throw two picks, but the Niners offense is also going to have the only long touchdown of the day, and that's gonna be a difference maker in like a sixteen thirteen. Right type game, there you go. so I'm picking them. This this has instant classic written all over it. By the way, it does, you get it? like you get the, the sunset slot there on the west oh, coast. Yeah. Yeah. Two classic teams like this, like this feels like we're gonna get a good a good one. So good, I love it. That that uh, is with you, by the way. Chiefs, Eagles, Bengals, Niners. I like it. I like it. I, I listen. I mean, I think all four of those teams could easily win. Um, yeah. You know, but again, I go Buffalo because I don't know. I don't know if you can get over that that hump. You know what I mean? So, yeah. By the way, you mentioned the Trey Lance thing here. I don't think you do anything with Trey Lance. I think you're in a position next year where you're the 49ers where you like you're you're thinking about what you do for next season because Jimmy Garoppolo is playing well. Well, now you got a guy on a rookie contract who's playing as well as Jimmy Garoppolo was for you, and you still have Trey Lance. So you can just keep up the thing you've been doing and you can have a quarterback battle and whoever wins the job wins the job and whoever doesn't is still, you either have a high floor backup in um, 
Brock Purdy if he doesn't win the job next year, or you have Trey Lance, who's an athletic freak, who you hope has learned something there. And if he right. has to come in, he can come in for you. They just have two good options. You're not going to get a return on Trey Lance at this point that's good enough to be worth getting rid of him. So, Right. Well, I think the only question is, is someone dumb enough to give you a lot for Trey Lance? And how do you feel about Trey Lance? Like what? What are your opinions yeah. on Trey Lance? You, as I think the, you, you, you know only I mean? you only look to move on from him. I think if he's been like really bad in practice, or if you're worried about his health to a serious degree, right? Otherwise, he's he's on a rookie deal. You got two right. quarterbacks on a rookie deal, both of which you think can start for you and you can win games. No reason to trade him. That's as valuable an asset. It, most teams would kill to have one of those guys. Right? If you think you can have two of them on your team? You keep them both because Boy. some. Guys get hurt. <laughs> That's a great point. It's a great point. And I will say the other part of it for me is that you gave up so much to get him. So much to get him that like you just want to hold on to him for another year you because you can't you, know, you can't turn around and after that you can't trade Trey Lance for a third and feel good about it. Right, That's for sure. Right. Exactly. Especially if exactly. you think if you think he can start four games and win them for you, if Brock Purdy gets hurt, you keep him. Hundred percent. Then you're because not going to trade him at the end of next offseason. Right. Exactly. Or you keep, like, you're not, even with that, you're still not, you're probably not going to get the value back. Like, it's, right. he's on a rookie deal. Maybe, maybe you don't pick up the fifth year option, but these four years, he's a very good value. I agree. If he can I agree. Decent. Good points. Good points. Good points made by you. So, all right. Um, okay. Let's do our, let's do our final segment. We'll get the, we'll get you guys out of here. We're already over an hour. Uh, we got a lot of things to talk about this week, though. It's funny. It's the offseason, but we still have a ton of – well, it's not the offseason, really. It's the offseason for the Patriots. Um, yeah. But still still quite I, a bit to talk about. I, I was told when I was in pre-K that I was too talkable, and that – I have lived that that insult my entire life. You put oh. me in front of a mic, I won't stop. Oh, me too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm the same way. I was telling – so we had a half day at school today, and I was, like, walking around – I filmed a TikTok after school today, and I'm, like, walking around talking to all the teachers, and they were like – they're like, so this is just what you do. And I'm like, this is what I do best. This is what I'm best at is like talking to people. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, no, that's true. You are. That's, that's a good point. So, um, but all right. All right, here we go. Final segment coming up. And now for something we think you'll really like this week in sports history. All right. I will go first. Um, I kind of stole it from you. I stole it from you, but it was a good reason you to steal it from that. you. 21 years ago today, okay, 21 years ago today, um, the Tuck Rule game happened. Uh, just an absolutely incredible game. And so I was a, a senior in high school, and I'm at the game with my my father and my uncle. And we got to the game, and it just, like, just started to snow when we got to the game. And by the time we were done tailgating, my dad had a truck and he had like a, you know, the, um, you know, you have like the cover on the bed and there was like a good three to four inches of snow on the truck. By the time we were done tailgating, we were there for like two hours, maybe. And we got like two, four inches of snow. It was ridiculous. And I just remember one of the guys clearing the path was wearing shorts. He was wearing like a, like a, like a jacket with shorts and they had snow blowers and they were snow blowing every five yards. So you could see the five yard markers. And this came up huge, and my dad texted me about this too. I don't forget. I wouldn't. I wasn't forgetting that. So don't, don't worry. Um, this came up huge earlier in the game, or I forget even the timing of it. To be completely honest with you, but the the um, the Raiders punted 
and the ball just kept rolling and rolling and rolling. And so you didn't know where you were. The The snow, the conditions were so bad that you couldn't tell where you were. You just knew five yards, five yards, five yards. And so one of their, I forget the guy's name. I think it was a rookie safety, I believe at the time. Um, but one of their, one of their players went to go down the ball and he was standing in the end zone when he downed the ball, thinking that he was standing like the four. He was in the end zone and down the ball in the end zone, give the Patriots a touchback and got, got the ball at the 20 yard line. The Patriots are having a hard time moving the ball that game. If you pin them down there at the one yard line, I mean, like who knows what happens, you know, whether, whether yeah. the Patriots, whether the Patriots end up getting a safety or they end up punting and the, and the Raiders get the ball at, you know, at midfield or better. That, that was a massive turning point in that game, that punt. And no one ever talks about it, but that was, that was a play for me that that really changed things. And again, you just couldn't see what was going on. There was so much yeah. snow that you couldn't see anything. Um, and I tell people I was in the zone that night. I could see um, my one of my favorite plays was the was the um, the Wiggins catch with David Patton dropped and Wiggins caught it. And, I love that play, you know. And so I'm in. The, I'm we're in the end zone, so they go they're going away from us. And everyone stands up because they think Patton caught it. And everyone sits down. And meanwhile, I'm still up and I'm screaming, Wiggy! And everyone's like, what the hell are you talking about? Dude? I'm like, he caught the ball. It was it was insane. And then, of course, the kick happened. So the tuck row, and I've told the story before on, on this podcast before, but um, not with you. You may not have heard it. But uh, we're at the game. Of course, tuck row happens. And it's like, all right, it's a fumble. Like, season's over. Like, that sucks. And they're like, oh, we're going to review it. And as the guy goes under the hood, and I can feel it coming in the air tonight comes on by, by Phil Collins and me and my dad and my uncle just looked at each other and we're like, is like is something crazy going to happen right now? Like that, <laughs> what the hell? Like we just had this feeling that like something crazy was going to happen. That song comes on and we're like, Oh my God, like I'm getting like, like a moment. I'm literally getting goosebumps, like thinking about <laughs> it. Like we're like, this is like, something's going to happen. Something crazy is going to happen. And the guy comes out and says, and I still, you know, I, I've, of course I've heard it since, but like, he said the quarterback sounds moving forward, and we all went nuts. Like we we didn't hear the rest of it. It was just like, okay, good enough for us. And uh, you know, it was incredible. It was incredible. And, you know, and the Raiders had so many opportunities. They had to stop us once. They couldn't. Then they got the ball. They had what second and one, and they couldn't get a first down. Yeah. Um, the stop on that play on third uh, down there. Incredible. Who is it? Was the linebacker going over the top to make yeah. the tackle? And yeah. I don't remember who that was, but yeah, I, yeah, I'm gonna have to go watch my O one page. DVD after this. Yeah, now that we're talking that was, about it, <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. That game was amazing. And of course, Invinitary's kick. So I sit in the end zone. I was in the opposite end zone for that kick. Um, of course, at, at the old Foxborough Stadium on the metal benches. Um, and so, uh, so it was extra cold. That game uh, reminded me. Matter of fact, being in Green Bay reminded me of that because Green Bay has the, has the metal benches still. But um, <laughs> but we're sitting in you know standing at that point. He kicked the ball, and I never saw it. I start leave his foot, and I was thinking like, "Oh my God, it's so low! Like it's so low! I, I just there's no way he's gonna hit that." And so I didn't, you know. I mean, you could see the crowd; you could barely see the crowd on the other side, but I could see the refs. And I just remember the refs like looked at each other and were like, "Holy shit!" And then put their hands up. To it, and we just went ballistic. It was crazy. And, and the game winner was in our end zone, which was cool. So. Uh, you know, uh, got all the guys out there with the big shoes, and Gruden calls timeout, and 
It was awesome. Yeah, clear on the path. What are you doing? We trying to like we're we're cleaning we're we're clearing the path for him, you know. So uh, what a what a memory that was. And of course, the final game ever played at, at Foxborough Stadium. Um, it was awesome. Yeah, so cool. All, and you know, prime of my life. Eighteen years old. Like, come on, it was it was great. Wow. Yeah. Well, we're gonna go from that to my back time. Is like something similar, but for my age. Oh baby. Yeah, this is January twentieth. 2019 Pats Chiefs AFC Championship game. This is that's one of the best football games I've ever watched. Yeah. Like just everything about the chaos of that finish. I've rewatched that the ending to that game so many times. The way the defense was, I mean, they shut out Patrick Mahomes for the entirety yeah. of the first half, yeah. which ended up being huge because they couldn't get a they couldn't buy a stop in the second half. Right. So they 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 banked some some points there in the first with some stops. And uh, Phil Dorsett, huge touchdown in the first oh, half yeah. of that game. Yeah. Rex Burkhead, Sony Michelle, Gronk making a catch. Remember Tony Romo on the call. Uh, I still remember watching that in my my on campus apartment there in college with a couple of my friends. Who, if you're listening, oh, I'm, we all remember that night very fondly. <laughs> if I'm, we had basically the same group for that game and the uh, and the Super Bowl. And at awesome. some point in that process, um, we just we just every time we needed luck, we all put our hands on the ceiling at the same time, no matter where. So we had to like stand on stuff just to get our palms <laughs> on the ceiling, and we were just. <laughs> and I remember by the end of that game, I think we were just all watching it, standing on furniture with our hands on the ceiling. That's crazy. The Patriots drove down the field. Oh, also, there's this random YouTube video that's amazing to watch with this Australian rugby player who like watches football highlights and reacts to them. And that was one of the first ones that he watched where he like knew what was going on with football and his reactions to the catches that Edelman made and ones that the the place everybody and the temperature with it being that cold for that game. He he was losing his mind at people playing in short sleeves in that temperature. Yeah. Well, and you know, Romo, you mentioned it, Romo calling out, all right, third and 10, they're going across the middle. They're going to run. Okay. You look at this safety. If he goes left, he's throwing to the middle. If he goes to the middle, he's throwing left. He's going to make him too. And and we're like, okay, Tony. All right. Like that was the first time we really saw that, you know? So, um, that was man, fun. that game was, thank awesome. God for D Ford. Yeah. No <laughs> kidding. Right. I mean, lining up, and he's like, was I offside? So like, bro, you were like three yards offside, dude. Like, what are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> if you, the, the inside, the NFL cut up of those, um, the highlights from that game is just, Oh, it's amazing. Awesome. And like the back and forth of that second half, like that was the Super Bowl that year. The way right. things ended up going and the way it played out, like just dramatic. And and that was in some ways, that was kind of the birth of, of Patrick Mahomes. Like we look, you know how we look at last year's divisional game, Josh Allen going to Kansas City and they lost. But everybody came away from that game being like, oh boy, Josh Allen is the real deal. Right. Well, that's. That's kind of the Patrick Mahomes moment where they lost, so he willed Kansas City back into that one. It was no, you're you're 100 right. I mean, really, it really was uh, incredible, really yeah. incredible. So yeah, that was that's um <sighs> yeah. We'll it's have to watch those it's, highlights before bed too. <laughs> well, so it's it's funny because I was um I was at my buddy's place. And my buddy has my buddy Jeff has uh, what's it called? He has YouTube TV. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and delay. so. And so, well, not even a delay, dude. Not even a delay. How about this? Not even a delay. This, this man, the, the feed shut off after the Edelman, after the Edelman play, when they're reviewing it, the feed the shut off. Punts. And I'm like, yeah. 
scream like what happened I'm like yelling i'm like you gotta get i was so mad dude and so yeah. then um and so then it was like you know i'm like oh my lord dude like horrifying and then it finally yeah. came back and it came back and the first play we watched was the interception and i was like well there you go like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, come on dude brutal that play we all yeah. thought was gonna be such a huge play in that game it didn't end up mattering at all like the edelman thing um, no, it didn't happen because it didn't hit his hand, and then you have yeah. to turn over anyway, and we just kind of were back to where we had been. But yeah, insane. Game. I'm also remembering now. I was I remember cooking wings in my apartment for that one. That's when I love cooking wings for playoff games. That that was the first time I was like started doing that myself. Um, really? And I I went to do it for the Super Bowl two weeks later, and the grocery store was entirely out of wings, so I had to do drumsticks for that. I still won. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to go make some wings this weekend. Uh, hey, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. No. Uh, I believe, by the way, let me. I'm trying to. I'm trying to look up the because uh, ESPN does a bad job of saying what what was um does a bad job of saying like what was a uh, a touchback and what wasn't. I believe though that that punt that I was talking about in the in the Tuck Rule game was uh, early in the second quarter. Patriots down seven nothing. Um to to the Raiders. And so, you know, of course that that would have changed things. That would have changed a lot of things. So, uh yeah. and how about this the they punted from the Patriots 36. It was fourth and 5 from the 36 and they punted from the 36. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, yeah, but it was one of those games. It was one of those games you couldn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so, there's just Yeah, and I'm going through the the game log here on Pro Football Reference. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. believe, I believe it, it wasn't. Makes sense um, because I don't think the Patriots started the twenty for any other, for any other thing. So I believe that that was the case. Yeah, Russian TD. Yep, yep. So and I know, I know for, for their second drive. Around, so. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that. Oh yeah. what the, it was great. That is walking yeah. for the best non-Super Bowl win. Is that the Pat's Chiefs one? Because that that yeah, that's got to be up there. When it comes to non-Super Bowl Patriots games, Pat's Chiefs is one of. Has to be top three. Patchy's Pats Raiders is, snowball is probably also top three. Yeah. Well, and then you got the Jags game, like they're talking about. You also have the Ravens game where they came back yeah, down Ravens. fourteen yeah, twice. So they got you know we we talked about that game um, last week. Did we talk about that game last week? So it's like you know, yeah, it's uh, put, it's and it wasn't. It was a blowout. I I'd put either of the Pats Colts games from 03 or 04 kind of in that yeah. category of just really, really enjoyable to watch. Like, they were. Yeah. Well, especially super satisfying. What was it? 03 when they hadn't punted. And then, you know, and, and we actually said going into the game, I said, they're not going to punt. They're not going to punt on the first drive. We're going to pick them off instead. And uh, and then I got very nervous because they drove all the way <laughs> down the, the field. Zone. And then Rodney Harrison threw a pick. I was like, all right, I was right. I told you I was right. Remember, you got the Rodney Harrison pick, three from Ty Law, yep. and a fourth. You forced five turnovers against that. Co- yeah. Patriots beat the co-MVPs back-to-back to go to the Super Bowl. And yeah, it's no People joke. sleep on that. It's no joke. They held yeah, them that, to 14 points each. Yeah, that 2013 team was was no joke. So oh three, but yeah. So I that's what I meant to say. 2013. <laughs> man, 2013 team was also no joke, but not in the same way. Yeah, yeah. No, the the years the years run together. So, um. But anyways, all right, we gotta get the hell out of here. We're we're yeah, almost an hour and a half here. So, here. thank you everyone for showing up. We appreciate it, guys. Uh, we'll be back next week. 
talking about the divisional round and then previewing the, maybe a, maybe a new offensive coordinator in the process. I would imagine. I would hope at this point. Uh, and maybe we'll actually get some. Um, maybe we'll get some clarity on the Gerard Mayo situation as well. What his role will be. Um, yeah. I think it's. So, I think it's also worth noting that just because we haven't talked about it that much, the Shrine Bowl that the yep. team is going to be coaching is February second. So I think there's also a chance no coaching changes happen. Good point. Until yep. after that good point which maybe we can talk about that next week too we have the rosters are starting to come out so yeah yeah some of those guys and we'll we'll, we're going to get into bc receiver pat's coaching a bc receiver uh, my boy zay Zay flowers Flowers. um so we'll get into we're going to get into guys we'll we'll do some deep dives and some instances of players i we haven't totally figured out how we're going to do it just yet um i don't think we want to do position by position so we'll we'll figure it out we'll figure it out but We'll, we'll do something Either way, lots of lots of good stuff coming for you. So thank you very much for for tuning in. Love you guys and we'll uh we'll talk to you next week.